Acts chapter 18. I think that's all I wanted to announce to you tonight. <clears throat> Let's stand together, please. We're going to finish out this chapter here in the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to focus on verse 18 and um, get on down to verse 28. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sincrea, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. But I will return again unto you, if God will. Amen. And he, he sailed from Ephesus, and when he had landed at Caesarea... And gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come... Help them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Father, we pray tonight as we gather together on this Sunday evening. We thank you for the opportunity today. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless in our time of service. God, that you would empower me to deliver your word as we look at it verse by verse and close out chapter 18. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, where we stand in need of it. Lord, you know where those things lie. I thank you for this morning as we looked at the value of relationships as we've seen here in the beginning of this chapter. And Lord, the importance of having the right people in our life and being the right people in others' life. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us always to be mindful of that. I ask you, Lord, that you'll bless our missionaries throughout the world. Father, many of them, they're not just going to church on Sunday and delivering a message. Father, they're, they're reaching out in dangerous parts of the world. Many of them are putting their life in danger in order to either com show compassion on those that are lost, or at best to present the gospel to those who have never heard it. I pray, Father, that you would use them. And I pray that we would be faithful as a church to hold the rope, to pray for them, to minister to them, to encourage them, to 
support them financially and allow them to accomplish what they are trying to accomplish for you. Lord, I pray that we'll follow you according to your word and be lights in the world and the darkness in which we live. So bless us this evening as we gather together. Use your word to help us, we pray in the name of Jesus tonight. Amen. You may be seated. So we was in the first 17 verses this morning, and we got down there to where Gallio, the deputy of the proconsul of, of Achaia, all of Achaia, we refer to that as Greece today, all of that area, he is over that, and we saw what happened as he stood up against the Jewish insurrection against Paul, and he allowed Paul to go, and then there were some things that happened there the, as we finish up verse 17. And we get to verse 18, and it says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. We don't know how long it was. We do know that he was there for 18 months uh, total. We see that in verse number 11. And so normally when you're, when you're reading about Paul, Paul goes through some sort of persecution and uh, he's dealing with some things. And a lot of times the people there in the church, they, they get him out of there and move him forward. And, uh, but this time it's not the case. This time, this time he's, got, uh, he's got the promise of God in verse 9 and 10. As the Lord says, don't be afraid, uh, speak, hold not your peace, I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Uh, God, can even, God can even use unbelievers to accomplish his work. He can work things out. And uh, we find that Paul found some support there. So he spent a little bit more time there. We don't know how long, but he stayed there. And then it says that he took leave of the brethren and sailed thence to Syria. That's where Antioch is. And so he's beginning to make that journey. We find out in a, in a few verses exactly why that is. But it's time for him to go. He feels like it's time to go in a different direction. He spent this time there at the church. It's growing. It's doing well. He begins to, he gets on a boat and he goes he travels first from Corinth to Sincrea, uh, which is just about eight miles away. It's right there on the seaport. And we see that Priscilla and Aquila ha are going with him. And I believe God's got a reason for that because God always knows where we're supposed to be. We'll see that uh, when we get to the end of this chapter. And so Priscilla and Aquila go with him. And you see at the end of verse 18 that Paul, he shaved his head. He cut his hair. In Sincrea, for he had a vow. And most people believe that was a Nazarite vow. It was something that uh, we don't know exactly when he started it, uh, but the one that we know most in the Bible who kept his vow would be Samson, right? And to have that vow is you, you decide you're not going to drink any fruit of the vine, uh, you're not going to touch a dead body. You're consecrating yourself before the Lord, and you're going to let your hair grow. Now, as far as I know, Garrett has never made that vow, as far as I know. But as far as I know, he's never done those things either. You better not have anyways, all right? 
As far as I know, he hasn't done those things. So Paul had let his hair grow out, okay, when he was in Corinth. Now he's on his way back, and the reason is he's wanting to go back to Jerusalem. And uh, so he's kept his vow for whatever reason that he decided to keep it. And he's cut his hair now, and he's making his journey. And it says in verse 19 that they come to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is going to be a key part of the church as we move forward uh, here in Acts 18 and 19. God's got some big things in store here. So he comes to Ephesus. Ephesus is a large town. It has about 300,000 people in it. It would be the Roman capital in Asia. And, uh, you know, we've all heard the term that all roads lead to Rome. Well, in Asia, all roads led to Ephesus. It was a, I mean, all of the different areas, uh, they're directed to the city of Ephesus. And it was a key uh, city in that part of the world. It was known for the Temple of Diana, this very large temple. I'll, I'll talk more about that in our, in our next lesson here in Acts uh, 19. But it's a huge temple. At that time, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. It was an enormous temple built for them. Uh, we read in chapter 19 about Diana and the Ephesians, which to me sounds like an 80s rock music group, doesn't it? Uh, to be honest with you, it actually sounds like a 50s rock music group, but I don't want to age myself too much. Um, but Diana and the Ephesians, because there are some people who get upset because the gospel comes to Ephesus and it's beginning to affect their pocketbook. Well, Ephesus is a key part of the world, and so Paul come there, came there, and uh, it says that he left them there, meaning he, he's going to leave Priscilla and Aquila there. Remember, they were, uh, Aquila was from Pontus. Uh, they were married. They were in Rome. Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome, and uh, they, they ended up at Corinth, and uh, they met Paul there, as we talked about this morning, and Verses 1 through 3. And uh, they, evidently, they ministered with him. They continue to minister with him. Now they've traveled with him to Ephesus. And maybe they had the intention of going all the way to Jerusalem with him. I don't know. But Paul decided, you know what, I need you to stay right here. And so they did because there was a ministry opportunity there. It says in verse 19 that he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. You remember this morning, Paul's trying to to preach the word of God to the Jews. He was trying to minister to them and affect them and and preach the gospel because his heart was for the Jews. But they rejected him. And he says, the blood blood be upon your own heads. My hands are clean of this matter. And as long as we share the gospel with others, our hands will be clean. But if the Holy Spirit is moving us to, con- and to share the gospel with someone and we refuse to do that, their blood is on our hands. That's a huge responsibility that God gives us. Well, Paul says, I'm going to turn to the Gentiles. But now he goes to Ephesus 
And when you read Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 10, his heart is for the... He was a minister, of the apostle of the Gentiles, but he loved his people and he wanted to see his people get saved. So when he gets to Ephesus, he, as soon as he can, he goes to the synagogue and he begins once again to reason with the Jews because that's what Paul does. He tries to take the scriptures, show them Jesus Christ, preach the word of God, and allow the word of God to accomplish something. Now it says in verse 20 that these folks desired him to tarry longer time with them. They didn't want him to leave. They wanted him to stick around. They liked what he had to preach. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to learn more. And whatever short time that he had was not enough. And so they, they desired, preacher stay, preacher uh, preach longer. Give us the word. Uh, they want to hear more. But Paul, he couldn't at this time. He consented not. He wished them farewell, verse 21. He bade them farewell. And he told them, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, which in all likelihood was Passover, which happens in April. They tell me that in March, in, those, in that day and time, that the, the sea began to be very difficult. We'll see that later in the book of Acts when, when they're trying to get Paul from Jerusalem to Rome and uh, they run into the tempestuous wind. Uh, the seas were very difficult and so you only had a certain time of the year where you could travel. And so Paul was, it was getting close to that time. And so he needed to get there as soon as possible. He wanted to keep this feast. And he says, he says, but I will return again unto you if God will. And so he sails from Ephesus. Lord willing, he's going to come back because he sees an opportunity there. For that reason, he tells Aquila and Priscilla to stay behind. There's an opportunity for you here to minister in Ephesus. And in verse 22, when he landed at Caesarea, and if you go on the trip to Israel, you're going to go to the same place right there on the coast of Caesarea. And that's where he lands in the ship. And he goes up, no doubt going up means he's going up the mountain to Jerusalem where he wants to go. The Bible doesn't tell us that's exactly where he went, but that's the whole purpose he was coming. He saluted the church there in Jerusalem. Then he went back down and he went up to Syria to Antioch where his church was, where he was called from in, in Acts 11 through 13. That's the end of his second missionary journey. That's the end of number two. And so between verse 22 and 23... One ends, and the third one begins. And it says that he spent some time there. It doesn't say how long, uh, just a, a short amount of time. And what he does there, the Holy Spirit didn't feel like it was needful for us to know. But he spent a little time there. And he departed and begins his third missionary journey. And, and he went all over the country of Galatia and Phrygia, places that he had already been. And his work is no longer evangelism now. Now it's about training and teaching and ministering. You see there it says strengthening all the disciples. Because, 
Because when you see people get saved, that's only the beginning of the work. Now there's discipleship involved. And so he goes back, he strengthens them, he, train, he does even more training and ministering. And so he continues this journey on until we get to chapter 21, verse 17. And the Bible leaves Paul, and he brings us back to Ephesus, and he introduces us to a gentleman by the name of Apollos. And Paul, Apollos is now in Ephesus. We're going to hear more about him in 1 Corinthians. But the Bible says in verse 24 that he is a certain Jew named Apollos who was born at Alexandria. Now, Alexandria is located in Egypt. It's named for Alexander the Great. It was the second largest city of the Roman Empire with a population of around 600,000. It was famous for its lighthouse. It was famous for its museums. But it's mainly famous for its library, which contained over 700,000 volumes of books. So it was, a, it was a place that valued education and learning. It was a place where many well-known philosophers were. And perhaps Apollos even learned from some of them. One-third of the population was Jewish. So there was a number of Jews in that area. And that is where Apollos found his roots. And you see in verse 24, as the Bible continues to describe him, it says that he was an eloquent man. That's the only time the Word of God uses that particular word. He was someone who was well-spoken. He, uh, the way that he talked, you listened to him. He, he, he engaged you. He got your attention. He was a wonderful speaker. And we, we've heard speakers like that. Pastor, Pastor Lewis was a wonderful speaker. Just have a, he would be the only one talking, but he could have a great conversation with you, right? When he was speaking. He was an eloquent speaker. Uh, that was Apollos. I want you to turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter... Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's a very good chance that he was a much better speaker than the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy... Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I want you to look, when Paul came, this is, this is how he described his preaching to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, look with me in verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm sure Paul knew a lot more. But the main thing was that they heard about Jesus Christ. So he didn't have to take the time to share everything that he knew. He wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. He didn't try to speak with excellency of speech or of wisdom when he declared the testimony of God. He just wanted people to focus on their need for Jesus Christ. 
and to the knowledge of knowing that Christ died on the cross for their sins. He even describes in verse 3 that I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Say, what's your point? If you're a wonderful speaker, God can use you. If you're not, God can still use you. Look in 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number, let's just look at verse 9. Now look at verse 8. Verse 8. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. He's writing these letters to the Corinthians. For his letters, speaking of his own, say they, are weighty and powerful. Meaning, the words that he writes, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? So there's power there. And so they say, when we read your words, they are, they are deep. They have a lot to say, and they're powerful. So your writing has something, but, is, but Paul's bodily presence is weak, and his speech contemptible. You ever, you ever met somebody, and they were not what you pictured them to be? That would have been Paul. You read, you read things about them and you say, man, that guy is sharp. He's got a lot to say. He's deep. He's, uh, he's, he's, he thinks things through. He's, uh, his words, they're, they're convicting. And then you see this little bitty guy and you hear him talk and his speech is nothing that was eloquent, nothing that you would say, wow, I could listen to that guy all day. That was Paul. Paulus wasn't that guy. Go back to Acts 18. Paul wasn't, I mean, Apollos was an eloquent man, the Bible says. And then it describes him as one who is mighty in the scriptures. Mighty. The Greek word is dunatos. It means that he was powerful. It is the same word that we get our word dynamite from. Dynamite, TNT, that is powerful. So when he spoke, There was power to what he had to say. He was eloquent. He was mighty. He was mighty in the scriptures. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. It was with great conviction. And so he came to Ephesus. And it says in verse 25 that this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Well, that's an interesting phrase that shows up throughout the Bible. I won't give you every reference, but I'll give you the ones that are important to this particular passage. In all four Gospels, Matthew 3, verse 3, 
Mark 1 verse 3, Luke 3 verse 4, John 1 verse 23, all are talking about John the Baptist and his responsibility to prepare the way of the Lord. And all of that is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, which says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It's preparing the way of the Lord. Well, it says here about Apollos, it says that he was, he was a man who was instructed in the way of the Lord. And then it says that he was fervent in the spirit, which means he was boiling over. Say, what is that? He was passionate. Passionate when he was preaching. I don't know what Paul sounded like. I don't know. But when Paul spoke, he got your attention. He was, the, the passion was just boiling over. And so he was someone who, who spoke eloquently. He had excellency of speech. He was mighty in the scriptures. He could just roll off passage after passage. He was one who was dynamic in what he had. It just rolled off his tongue. It was powerful. And he was very well instructed. And then even when he spoke, he was one who was fervent in the spirit. And he was very passionate about the way that he preached and what he was delivering and the message that he was delivering. It says that he spake and taught diligently. Diligently. Which means... Perfect. He taught diligently the things of the Lord, only the bapt- knowing only the baptism of John. Years ago, before we had kids, we took our first trip out to uh, South Dakota and Wyoming. It was a lifelong dream of mine to go out there. And uh, Christy was a school teacher at the time. We had a fall break that was two weeks. And so we left after Sunday and we began to make the long drive. And uh, my in-laws had bought a Garmin GPS that you put, you mounted on your window, right? Uh, Because they didn't have cell phones. Maybe we had cell phones, but we didn't have iPhones at that time. And uh, so we had that GPS. It was the first time I'd ever used a GPS because I've always been a map guy. I like maps. My grandfather was a truck driver, and I would go over the road with him, and I would sit on the passenger seat, and I would read the map. Tell him where we, you know, I didn't really tell him where it was going to turn. He knew where it was going to turn. I just pretended to do it. But I learned to read maps and get directions. That was the first time I ever used a GPS. We had made our way all the way up there, and we were coming back through St. Louis. And uh, that woman was telling me where to go. And I was obeying her. And she was telling me to take this particular interstate through St. Louis. But there was a big sign that said that the highway was closed. And when I say closed, I mean the bridge was gone. You ever watch that movie Speed? You remember that where the part of the bridge was, that's what it was like. 
And so I had to get off the interstate and uh, find my way through that part of St. Louis and get going the other direction. And it recalculated. And it started to tell me to make this turn and this turn, and so I'm following it. And before I know it, it's got me going on the same highway that was closed. And I finally just turned the thing off, stopped, and got my map out and figured out how to get through St. Louis. It's my first ever opportunity. A GPS is good if its information is up to date, right? But if it's not up to date, it'll put you in a field somewhere, won't it? It'll put you in a field in a hurry. Apollos was eloquent. He was very knowledgeable of the scriptures. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was one who was fervent in spirit, but he didn't know the whole truth. Now I want you to get this. I don't believe Paulus was even saved. You can read some, there's a few who say that he was. But I don't believe he was ever saved. He knew the way of the Lord. He knew John. He might even heard about Jesus Christ. But he didn't know about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he certainly didn't know about the Holy Spirit. We'll get into Acts chapter 19 next week and you'll see why I believe that. But here is a guy that is preaching, knows the Old Testament, knows the Bible to the point that nobody is going to straighten him out. I mean, he knows it. And he stands up and speaks and he's very convincing in his speech. And he's delivering this message and everybody is hearing this. And they are just, they are just in awe of what he's got to say. And he doesn't even know who Jesus Christ is. And this is another one of those places where I believe that there are going to be a lot of people who attend church regularly. Even preachers, Sunday school teachers, moms and dads who bring their children to church weekly who never personally know Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Apollos, he didn't know. And Aquila and Priscilla, they pick up on it. It says, it says in verse 26, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Say, why did the Lord move Paul to leave Aquila and Priscilla there? Because there was a preacher man coming through who needed some more instruction. And they took him unto him. They didn't go up to him in front of everybody else and rebuke him. They didn't get on social media and rebuke him. Are you with me? They didn't make a public spectacle of it. It says... When Aquila and Priscilla had heard what he was preaching, they took him unto them and they began to expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. 
And it says a lot about Apollos because Apollos was willing to listen and to learn. I remember reading of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon often, he would speak of a particular person in his church who always sent him a letter on Monday critiquing his sermon. That would get old. That would be frustrating. But Charles Spurgeon had such a spirit that he, that he grew to appreciate it because he felt like there was always something that he could learn and to get better. With every criticism, there is always a level of truth to it. At least something there. That's why they're bringing it up. And so, Apollos, he sits down with them, he listens to them, and what they have to say. Joseph Parker said, If Apollos could be so eloquent about water, what will he be when he comes to speak of the blood of Jesus Christ? Well, that's powerful. Apollos, he hears. He hears what they have to say, and he grows from it. And it says in verse 27, it's time for him to move on. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote him, a recommendation letter. They wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through what? Grace. He went there and he preached and he helped the believers through grace because he had grown in the Lord and his understanding. And then we get to verse 28, which says that he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Verse 25, he taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. But as he goes forward, he mightily convinces the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures, Jesus was Christ. That word convince means vehemently. Look in your Bible at Luke chapter 23. I want you to see this. Luke 23. This is the only time it shows up. uh, Only other time it shows up in the Bible. Luke 23 and verse 10. This is where Jesus has been brought before Herod. Look at verse 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. In verse 10, the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Vehemently. They were convincing. They had a point that they wanted to make. And they were serious about it. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe. And they sent him again to Pilate. We know what happens from that. They convincingly accused him. You go back to Acts 18 and verse 28. He mightily convinced the Jews publicly. Wasn't just privately. Publicly he was, he would proclaim the good news of Christ and he would show by the scriptures that Jesus indeed was the Christ. 
Kent Hughes says, Apollos' life shows us that we can lift others only to the level on which we ourselves live. Apollos, a Jew, an Alexandrian, someone who was well-learned, mighty in the scriptures, fervent in spirit, accurate in his teaching, bold in his preaching, could only take the people as far as he had come himself and not one step further. Do we want people to overflow with the Holy Spirit? Then we must be full ourselves. We can only impact people to the level that we have been impacted. If you stop growing, you stop becoming effective. If we say this is as far as I want to go, we put a ceiling upon our effectiveness. And we can, we can talk about everything that the world needs, everything that the church needs, everything that our kids need. We can talk about all of those things and we can see that and we can say, you know what, they, we all need this. But unless we're willing ourselves to grow and get to a place where we too have reached that point, until then we can never help get somebody up there. they will never get any further than we are ourselves. We cannot encourage and help people pray, Danielle, if we're not, if we're not prayer warriors ourselves. We cannot. We can teach and teach and read books and all of these things about soul winning, Gil, but unless we are soul winners, you can never help people become soul winners. We can talk about the need of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being Spirit-filled and walking in the power of the Spirit and the demonstration of the Spirit. But if we are not Spirit-filled ourselves, we will never help anyone get there. There was a ceiling, as mighty as he was, there was a ceiling to Apollos' effectiveness. But he was a humble enough man that he sat down and said, Teach me. I have more to learn. And you get to 1 Corinthians. And Paul writes about Apollos' effectiveness in Corinth. To the point that there was even a division. Because some say, man, I was saved by Paul. But I love to hear Apollos preach. And you get to chapter 3, and Paul says, Paul is watered. Paul is preached, Apollos is watered, but it's God that gives the increase. May we always be in a place in our spiritual and our Christian life that we're willing to take the next step we're willing to grow. We're willing to become more effective. And not just in knowledge, but by application. Because Apollos could grow in knowledge, but if he didn't apply it, he would have never convinced people that Jesus was the Christ.
It's great to learn, but it's also important to squeeze the sponge and let it pour out. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's bow our heads.